Well, hello everybody, and welcome to this week's Infection Control Matters. Uh, it's Martin Keen here again, and joining me are two colleagues from University Hospitals Birmingham here in the UK. So it's Dr. Mark Garvey, who's the Director of Infection Prevention and Control, uh, and Helen Woodall, who's a senior dental nurse. And we're going to be talking healthcare associated pneumonia, a particular favourite here on the podcast. We've mentioned it and Brett's mentioned it a few times. We're going to be talking mainly about an an intervention and an initiative called Mouthcare Matters. So if I can pop over to you first, Mark. Firstly, welcome. And secondly, could you explain where the direction to target healthcare associated pneumonia that's not ventilator associated came from? Thank you, Martin. Well, uh, where it came from, uh, so I can't take any of the credit um, for this at all. So thank you for having me on here and thank you for having Helen as well. And Helen's the main expert. So where it came from, Martin, was um, there was an Infection Prevention Society conference um, a few years back now. And there was one talk that really resonated with us on there. And it was by one only, Martin Kiernan talking about hospital-acquired pneumonia. I think you also talked a little bit about UTIs and some of the forgotten things that we think of. And you gave a very great, as always, a brilliant talk, eloquent talk. And it really got the mind thinking. And like I said, I can't take the credit for it because it's one Kerry Holden, who again was in the talk with me, as well as Craig Bradley at the time. Mm. Um, uh, We all thought, oh, wow, why haven't we done more on hospital-acquired pneumonia? And then when you were talking about it, you know, I, lo- I love the the analogies that you had, talked about being one of the most, um, as we've talked about it and you were on the podcasts as well, one of the most prevalent uh, infections when you look at the point prevalence survey back in 2016. So accounted for like about 30% of infections at any one time in hospital. So it's a massive burden. So we thought, well, why don't we try and do something about this? And obviously, we went back, Kerry did a load of work, she applied for some charities money for a dental nurse, because the one element that you talked about, um, where we thought we could do something was about mouth care matters. And obviously, we don't do, we didn't do anything really around mouth care and on our patients, or we, we did or didn't really look at it. Um, and so we thought we targeted that, uh, target that there was, it was a twofold approach, because we targeted that and get and then another campaign, uh, we called get up, get dressed, get moving. But yes, um, you basically inspired us and then Helen has done um Kerry did all the work for getting the money in and leading it and she's done some great talks pioneered on it and we got Helen in to to who's done led the project ever since really and the the results have been stark really you know if you think about it like I'm one for talking about football aren't I when you look at hospital acquired <laughs> pneumonia and obviously uh, people who know me I'm a Villa supporter it's not so bad now they're doing so uh, they're doing okay but if you think about like the capacity of Villa Park what's 40 you know 43,000 um you know 43,000 if we think of like at any one time how many people have health healthcare associated infections in the UK that 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 means that after match day, 4,000 people will be coming out uh, with infections. And if you think of that, apply HAP onto that, what accounts for about 30% of that, you're looking at 1,300. Mm. So it's a massive chunk, isn't it, when you look at it? It is. And like yeah. simple sim- simple interventions that you've talked about make massive, massive differences. And while Helen will go through the work that she's done in uh, through this, and the, the results even surprised me, really, from that. 
So that's basically yeah, how we got into it. I mean, there certainly wouldn't be many Gillingham fans, that's for sure. But if you look at <laughs> Villa, then it would be quite a large number. I mean, I can remember at the time sitting through various prevalence studies and seeing healthcare association pneumonia as the biggest group and really no action going on. So that's what I was going on about that day. But by then, of course, I wasn't in a, such a position to actually directly influence practice. So I was delighted when Kerry and Craig picked up the ball on this one because uh, I think they've done a lot of work uh, and then leading into Helen's work. So, Helen... Can I ask you a bit about your background and then how you got involved in this piece of work? Um, hello, I'm Helen. I'm one of the dental nurses in the Trust. I've been here quite a long time. We're a cohort of healthcare professionals that nobody really knows exists. So when I say I'm a dental nurse, everybody says, well, we, didn't know we had dental nurses here. Um, I work in MaxFax, uh, which is a surgical unit. So we do head and neck cancer, we do trauma, uh, and we do various other operations. So I have some experience of working on the ward before I started working for infection control, um, because we used to go and see post-op reconstructive head and neck patients who had had altered anatomy now to help them learn how to clean their oral cavities. And I used to work on the ward that way. Then the word kind of spread, and I didn't realise then, but there's really no mouth care training in the trust at all. There's a, there was a, a short video, a very old fashioned video that was completely out of, um, it, it was completely inaccurate. Um, so I used to get various other referrals and we had a protocol that I could go to different wards as long as it was referred by MaxFax um, to go and look at other patients and help with their mouth care. So I originally got invited as probably the only person that's really interested in mouth care in my department <laughs> to go and work with Kerry on a, a hat prevention research project. Um, it was uh, good nursing care and mouth care, um, and I managed the mouth care intervention. Uh, so that was great, but I'm really hitting the ground running. I don't work on the wards. I don't know a lot about the wards. I know my ward very well and what to do and what not to do. So it was a learning curve, uh, but it was a really fantastic project because mouth care is just so important, and we really should all be brushing patients' teeth if they can't brush them themselves. Um, so it's a big project that had never been looked at before, which in one way is good because I haven't got any preconceptions about it. In another way was hard work because there were some things if I'd learned early on, um, I wouldn't have wasted my time trying to work out how to do that. So uh, I was, we initially went on two respiratory wards, one with a higher dependency than the other one. And I took myself on the ward as much as possible. I only had a short, a short amount, a small amount of time then. But I worked out quickly that wards are very busy. They don't like to come to training in the mornings. It's probably busier than in the afternoon. So I took mm -hmm. flip charts. I took a small laptop with the presentation on and I approached the ward manager, told them what I could do, how she wanted me to do it. And I'd fit in with anything she wanted me to do. I've even done care with the care assistants because they don't have time to stop. So, uh, so it gave me a really good view of the wards and, and how they work. Helen, did they, did they recognise it as an issue, do you think? Did they, you know, did they think, well, why is there somebody coming to teach us about mouth care? We, we keen people's teeth? Or did they actually recognise, actually, we might have a problem here? I, I don't think they did until they started the training and then they realised how little they knew about it. I don't think I've ever done the training with anyone that didn't learn something new. Hmm. And quite often, because it's mouth care and we all value mouth care greatly, I would get a lot of questions about their own personal mouth care that I could enlighten them on. Um, and what to do. So they found it very interesting personally as well as professionally, but they also, they didn't really manage mouth care at all because they never really looked in a mouth. So 
Mm. I mean, actually, that's a that's a good thing, isn't it? People thinking actually, there's something in this for me because one of my favourite sayings is nothing matters unless it's personal. So actually, when people start to personalise something, then they maybe start to reflect that on this actually affects yeah. the care of my patients as well. So that's a that's a nice thing, I think. So I've had very senior nurses challenge me to say, you know, I'm not interested in mouth care. And I just usually say to them, you know, that's fine. I don't want to get in, in, in front of the interests that you have. But, you know, did you brush your teeth this morning? And they'll go, yes. I said, did you, yeah. did you use a green sponge to do it? And they'll go, no, and then they know they've kind of lost the argument. <laughs> no. Because, you know, if that's what we're doing in hospital, we shouldn't be doing it. We should be using a toothbrush and brushing people's teeth. Um, so uh, the, the younger nurses sometimes were more, there were some very entrenched nursing and some nursing views that they felt like they had done this and they'd, they'd done the basics. But I could tell you from looking at their patient's mouth, they, they didn't know how to, they didn't practice it. I mean, when you say they've done this, they've done something maybe in their basic nurse training many years ago in some cases. And as you said, the trust training was some out of date. So how on earth could they possibly think they've done it unless they think it's not important? Yeah, really? that's right. And it was more that, you know, I, I know what a mouth looks like and I can brush teeth, but so much more to it than that because there's lots of patient barriers mm. that stop you from doing that and how do we manage those? So it, it was a great project that it, as it rolled out, you could see we could do more and more. Um, and, and really, mm. where we are now, which is just providing basic training to, into the largest trust um, in the UK, which is, in itself has been massive. Mm. So my view has always been because I could go and do specialist work, but we really, really must put in basic mouth care for everybody. So everybody benefits from that. Okay. So what are some of the barriers, would you say, for patients? You just mentioned that. So that's an interesting point. Uh, some of them are just resistant to mouth care. Some of them, as they've come into the hospital and we've left mouth care so long that their mouths are so sore that they won't accept mm. mouth care and they think they're going to be, you're going to hurt them. Some of it is for, for very confused patients or patients with learning dif difficulties or neurodisabilities. When you come to them with your blue gloves on, they don't know what you're going to do to them. And the last thing you did hurt them. So they're not prepared to open their mouth and let you um, clean their teeth. If you've ever had anyone clean your teeth, it's quite, um, you need quite a lot of belief that they're not going to hurt you. You don't know what it's going to feel like. It's quite, you know, clumsy in your mouth. So it's quite, it's a skill you have to learn. You don't naturally are able to brush other people's teeth, but you know how it feels to brush yours. Hmm. Sometimes the staff don't know what they're trying to achieve when they brush teeth. So it, it, it was kind of starting it, I, my presentation changed over and over again because I had to make it more and more basic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You think, oh, I can go in at a high level here, and then you realise, actually, they don't know anything at all. Yeah, so I, I have a group of... And this staff. is presumably to the trained staff, is it? Yes, Is this trained, to the trained, trained staff? And or untrained. Mm. Um, but often the healthcare assistants would be very, very good at patient care, and they are the people that are excellent at mouth care and know their patients very well. Mm. So it, it should be targeted for healthcare assistants because they often do do most of the care. Yeah. Um, and they're very valuable professionals yeah. who should be able to do all of the care that I can provide. Should They should be able to provide it as well. So I was going to say, I mean, it, it does make a difference to, to outcomes for patients. So do you think that the untrained healthcare assistants are actually getting some satisfaction about knowing they're positively influencing the outcome Whereas the more trained who actually aren't doing it aren't really recognising that aspect of it. No, that, that's definitely uh, definitely a plus point. It empowers the healthcare assistants to realise they've just made that patient much more comfortable than they were. Um, and the, the effect of having a comfortable mouth rather than a very coated mouth is that you can taste food, you can talk, you can um, you can swallow. You know, it lifts your mood. It's it's dignity. It's quality of life. It shows that we are caring for you. Um, it, it, people forget that the mouth is a very visual way of, sh of demonstrating how we care for patients. 
Um, although we haven't mm. had many visitors in, when we have visitors in and their relative has a very dirty mouth, they will come and tell you straight away that that's just not acceptable. Yeah. Um, so it is really important on, on lots of levels. Um, I'm sure reduces complaints about um, the care that they received. Um, that's an interesting one, isn't it? I wonder if that's measurable. I mean, do you think people were connecting an unclean mouth or an unbrushed mouth with pneumonia, you know, an actual healthcare-associated infection? No, they definitely didn't, and I didn't either. So I changed because we would call it in the dental world plaque, but here I call it oral bacteria because bacteria means something to people. Bacteria means infections. Mm -hmm. So I changed it very early on to call it mouth care and to call it oral bacteria and not dental plaque. Um, um, and sometimes I just say that that's the same thing. That's what it is. But no, in fact, if I had people that weren't interested in it, I'd often tell them that. Do you realise that we can reduce hospital-acquired pneumonias by doing good mouth care? And that would kind of get their attention. Um, hmm. So the research I that mean, we did really helped that and supported that. Okay. I mean, you, you talked about practical demonstrations as well as the presentations. How did you go about that? You, did you actually have people cleaning each other's teeth just to, so they'd have the feeling of what it's like to be on the end of it and to do it to somebody else? Yeah, well, uh, probably not a lot because people were very reluctant to do that. They didn't want to show people their mouths. So I have a model um, <laughs> and I'm willing to have my teeth brushed if that's what they want to do. Um, but I have a model that um, I demonstrate how to brush teeth, what we're trying to achieve by brushing teeth. Um, and, and while I'm demonstrating on the model, I can give them lots of tips as to how to do that. Um, so patients that are resistant to mouth care, I can give them lots of tips to show how I, I manage that on the ward. And I, I get to call to see a lot of patients who won't have their teeth brushed. But if we do it in a certain way, they often realise, oh, you want to brush my teeth and that would be a good idea. So they let me do it. So it was interesting. They learned. They learned a lot. Just basic mouth care, I know. But and the fact is, we can mm. reduce pneumonias as well as everything else. Um, it, it's, it's just it's just pretty mind blowing if they think we're not doing something that will then give the patient pneumonia. I mean, from what you said earlier, the only downside I can think of is you can actually taste the hospital food, so that's possibly not so good. But, uh, you know, you talked about doing risk assessments of the oral cavity in the paper that came from this. The risk assessments, how did you go about, or how do you teach people how to do a risk assessment of somebody's mouth, and what does what aspects are you looking at? So the risk assessments are really key to mouth care because we have to look in the mouth, we're accountable for what we're looking at, we have to document it and work out what care we're going to provide. So our assessments are very basic in a way. So I've changed them as we went along. When I go and see a patient, I want to know if they've got any teeth. The teeth are key. So I can, if we all, if they all the staff do an assessment, I can tell whether this patient's got teeth or not. If they've got teeth, they need to have them brushed. So it just follows on for that. Mm. But for for patient and for them understanding, because there's a group of patients that we don't really have to worry about, and they're self-caring patients who bring their own equipment in and they value mouth care and they will do it. We might need to provide support for that, but those group of patients which will be low risk, once we've looked in their mouths and assessed it and confirmed that everything is all right and they're happy to carry on providing their own mouth care, staff don't have to worry about those patients at all. Before the assessments, they wouldn't know which patients those were and which patients needed support. So the assessment, first of all, will ask if they've got teeth, will that you have a look and see where their teeth are. They then It then flows on to say, have you got your toothbrush with you? If you haven't got it, we've got one. So I've seen patients on the ward that haven't had a, they haven't got a toothbrush. They don't think we stock them. So they just waited till they went home two weeks later. Wow. Okay. But if we told them we've got a toothbrush, they would have brushed their teeth straight away. So I've gone up to say, why aren't you cleaning your teeth? And they'll say, well, I haven't got a toothbrush, but I'm going home tomorrow, hopefully. So, And I said, no, we've got toothbrushes here. You could have had one. But no staff, they don't, they don't communicate. So they didn't think that we never seem to know what patients know about us, which is really very little. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, and you've, you've, you've also got patients that there might be a special way of doing it. So if you're assessing a patient and they've got their carer with them, it's a bit unusual now, but in the old days, um, we used to have their carer with them. You would then ask, how do, I, how do I brush your teeth? Which is the best way to brush them? So we had a gentleman once they hmm. couldn't brush their teeth. They called the care home and said, is there a special way of doing it? And something and he said, if you put doctors on in the afternoon for this gentleman, he'll open his mouth and let you clean his teeth. <laughs> but they would have never have known that unless you'd have asked. Yep. Um, and they're often... Um, people with special needs, they may like to hold a toothbrush at the same time and pretend they're doing it. So th- there's lots of things you can just ask from someone who's around to ask, and that would save you a whole lot of trouble mm. by the time you've got to the point where the mouth is now so coated and so sore they're not going to let you come near them and, and do that because you're yeah. going to have to cause them more discomfort to get it clean. Um, so there's just things like that, that that start a conversation talking about that. Um, there's dentures as well. We lose an awful lot of dentures in the trust, which is devastating to the patients whose dentures they are. Um, and change their diet. So there is then a box to say, have you got your dentures? Have you, have you got, do you wear dentures? Have you got them with you? Have you left them at home? Um, and they'll often, patients will then tell you about their dentures, like I'm not taking them out for you to clean them because you're going to lose them. So we then document that we've got your dentures, or we document that you've left them at home. We then have to get a denture pot out that immediately will make your dentures safe because it'll have your name on it. Um, and if we ever take your dentures out, that's where they'll go. Yeah. So there's, there's, that is the first part of the assessment. The next is a visual assessment with a light torch because you can't see in a dark mouth and everybody has to lose, use a light torch for mouth care now. It's part of the policy. So then it, they, they will grade the mouth. It's quite simple. It just comes out as high, medium or low. Um, and on PICS, it does it for you. So at the end, it'll come up with a high, medium or low risk. So once you've looked at the mouth and graded that, we then go into the nursing aspect because this, this assessment went around 50 nurses. Um, and they will look at dysphagia, they'll look at nutrition, they'll look at mucositis, um, and then the last bit is the level of support you need. Mm. So you could be a patient um, has perfect oral health, it's well-maintained, you're a readily attendant at the dentist, but you are completely dependent on care for us, and you don't have your carers in hospital, so you would immediately go into high risk because we need to manage your mouth care right from the word go and clean your teeth twice a day, whatever it is. So that would go into high risk for that reason. So often it may only be a very small reason, but if we know it, we can manage mouth care and get our patients through just maintaining a nice, clean, comfortable mouth mm-hmm. for them to recover, eat, drink, recover, and everything else they need to do. So who developed this assessment tool? Was that was that you or was that a um, collaborative approach? It was part of our multidisciplinary um, group. So we had a mouth care group, which was... Um, cross infection, we had representatives of speech and language, we had a dental consultant, um, we had uh, me and another dental nurse worked on it, uh, all working in the trust, uh, and we had communications on it and the development nurses, which were really important. So the assessment went out to too many people, if you like. I realise now the more people you put it past, they'll change it all the time. Um, but it, I can, yeah. I can, it's not perfect, but I can work with it. And, and it's what we got, it's what we got, so... Um, um, and it's on peaks and it works well. And, we, and I can tweak it on peaks, peaks if it doesn't, uh, mm-hmm. uh, if we can do better. So mm-hmm. it did go past a lot of work, uh, nursing um, colleagues just for them to say what they think. So sometimes people are nervous about cleaning or do, performing mouth care and so on because there's an aspiration risk. How do you get over that? And is there any specialist equipment that people might use for, for certain conditions that might lessen their anxiety and make things a little bit more practical? Aspiration risk is one of the bigger barriers, biggest barriers for them not doing mouth care because they'll either be waiting for a swallow assessment, so it's a potential aspiration risk, but it may not be real. And there's people with diagnosis of, of if they've got um, aspiration problems. So we, we have a piece of equipment that I didn't realise how lucky we were to have it, which was procured early on, which is a suction toothbrush. 
So this is a, an ordinary toothbrush. It behaves the same as a, a toothbrush, but it can be attached to the wall suction for a low amount of suction. So when you're going to provide mouthcare, it's not oral suctioning at all. And it has to be really clear that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. So if your patient needs some oral suctioning, they need oral suctioning and you need to do that or get someone who will do that for you. Yeah. It, this is purely to clean teeth, but it's not introducing anything into the oral cavity that wasn't there before. And anything that is becomes loosened by by doing mouth care, by cleaning the teeth, goes up the, the toothbrush. So you're not introducing anything into the mouth that wasn't there before. Um, and you, then there is no, um, you don't have to have any gaps in mouth care while you're waiting for the speech and language girls to come down and do a swallow assessment. In fact, ironically, they can't do swallow assessments unless the patient has a fairly clean mouth. And I often get called because their swallow assessments are delayed because the mouth is just so coated that they, they can't do an effective um, swallow assessment. Wow. Um, and that's okay. a, that's a piece of work we could definitely do once we've got the basics completely in right across all the hospitals. Um, start looking at that and seeing how we can improve their swallow assessments um, in an ethical way by, yeah. by testing the, how the uh, suction toothbrush will work. That's, that's also interesting, as you might be able to show that there's actually less of a delay waiting for swallow assessments now because people's mouth care is better yeah. so that they're actually not getting delayed as much. But there, there are lots of pockets of specialist care you could do, which would move on, which would improve, improve the service of lots of um, specialties like stroke, the elderly. Um, we could we could get right. people out of hospital a lot quicker if we managed their mouth care so that they were it wasn't delayed by working on their nutrition and um, hydration and things like that. And they'd be happier people if they had a nice, yeah. clean, comfortable mouth. Um, the, the suction. Yeah, so, I mean, this is fundamental, isn't it? Yeah. I, I found out early on because I I'm, I'm not a nurse that healthcare assistants um, are not allowed to use wall suction at all. So I assumed when I was training people on this suction toothbrush that healthcare assistants were, they were able to use it um, until one care assistant said, I wouldn't use that. And I said, oh, why wouldn't you use it? And she said, because we're not, we, we can't be trained on suction. And, and no one had enlightened me to that. Um, so we worked very hard and it's taken two years in the trust to get the trust to change that. And now healthcare assistants can use wall suction only for the suction toothbrush, but it means that there's no, now healthcare assistants can be trained to use a suction toothbrush, Okay. Um, which really, it's really important that they are able to do it. In fact, it hangs on the fact that they can do use this equipment. So um, mm-hmm. otherwise you're waiting for a, you know, a qualified nurse to come and do it, whereas she may get delayed doing other things. Healthcare assistants can do it as and when they need to. So how much training actually went in in the first place? And, and have you any indication that actually things have got better or competence has got better since the training? Oh yes, we've got the, the the equipment on the wards because we've had COVID and we've survived. The mouth care project has survived COVID, which is good, and the merger. Um, we now have a lot of people that aren't trained in mouth care because they've swapped wards, they've come into the trust, they're new into the trust, or they've come back from retirement. So the, our biggest challenge is how we train all these people that need training or need um, just to review their training. Um, so we've finally finished uh, the mouth care training package on Moodle, mm-hmm. which means. The basic training I do on the ward will then be available for anyone to get to access online 24-7. Ah. Um, so we should be able to get all staff trained. We make it mandatory training. Um, and then we do a big advertising campaign and launch it and say the mouth care training is there and the suction toothbrush training is there with it. Um, and you can go on and get trained. They will have the training that I would do for them. They are actual practical videos showing me cleaning somebody's teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're very practical um, and, and it'll answer some questions I get asked, like how much pressure do you put on the teeth when you brush them and things like that. Yeah. So it's actual practical training um, and, and we haven't tested it on anything now, but it's ready to test on a few people just to see what they think about it, see the assessment questions are um, appropriate. 
Um, but it's ready to do, in which case my job would be a whole, t- whole lot easier. Well, I'll be able to go and do other things because I'll stop doing the basic training because they will actually be able to access it. But I'll then be able to work on wards that have real trouble with mouth care that need more support um, by me going on there and, and helping them with the patients. Because it's, you know, enormous organisations and there's, you know, limited resource for you to go out and do this sort of thing, isn't there? Yeah, so, yeah I can see that. Well, it's great to hear the passion in your voice for this. Um, Mark, can I come back to you and ask you then about some results? You know, what impact have this had on healthcare-associated infection? And are there any other indicators that you can point to that shows uh, the success of this? Because you know, anecdotally from all of this, it's it's made a real impact, hasn't it? Yeah, it's made a massive impact, more than what I thought it would would have done, really. I knew that it would probably make an impact and carry obviously presented a little bit of work at IPS and we've we've followed on from that and it's made a it's made a huge impact really and I was quite shocked so obviously we did very crude point prevalence surveys before and after um, Helen went on certain certain wards so you know we we chose a selection of wards I think four wards at the time respiratory wards neurosurgery uh, geriatric medicine and then obviously we did point prevalence surveys before we did some control wards as well on that and then um, Helen went in did her thing as, as as you've heard um and then we went back and had a look at the point prevalence a- afterwards you know we we saw massive differences really and, and like i said this really shocked me because we put it into like bed days because um, helen's mentioned how big uhb is it's like an absolute mothership of a, a, a hospital <laughs> but I, I, when you look at it we saw about a 90 percent reduction in our hospital acquired pneumonias and that's absolutely you know that stunned me by that the that level of difference um Mm. huge reductions of in hospital acquired pneumonia we were sitting at like 63 cases per 100,000 bed days and that reduced down to about five so properly significant Um, and in the control wards that's why we chose control wards there was no there was no difference we saw an increase in mouth care being undertaken uh, a big increase in that and then it becomes a such an easy sell for, for the trust so um yeah. our chief nurse lisa staley green really really behind it really supportive loves helen to bits and um, we've got respiratory uh, physician involved um respiratory involved now presented all of that work to them and you know remarkable and we haven't just just done it to you know on those wards as well um we did a similar bit of work during and after covid because obviously helen went in which uh, which hasn't mentioned um but went into itu during and after covid as well and we did a very very similar thing as well and we just looked at ventilated associated pneumonias as well and again we didn't look at like the, didn't do like a proper uh, analysis of what a ventilator associated pneumonia was we basically just thought oh, have they got are they ventilated are they being treated for a a VAP as such a pneumonia yeah. uh, and we'll yeah. look pre and post pre and post that and then again we saw similar results of massive reduction down mm. in that as well and obviously COVID you know mouth care in COVID patients and everything it fall, falls off so you know it's it, it's massive 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 reductions really and that's leading into a nice big grants looking at other hospitals as well with it so if we can replicate it yeah just for People are not familiar with the hospital, Mark. Could you give me some idea of the size, you know, number of beds and uh, that sort of thing? Yeah, so we probably sit over to, well, we were the biggest when we had the Nightingale. So that took us over like, yeah. you know, 5,000 odd. But yeah, we, we're, we're, we're um, well over two, two and a half thousand beds, basically. I th- yeah, I think I think we'll leave it at big. <laughs> big, and then um, we've got Sully yeah. Hall, on, Sully Hall yeah. as well. So big, yeah. big, 
yeah, we're talking about a big impact in a large organisation here, then, aren't we? I mean, have you been able to look at cost effectiveness? So, you know, what, did it take much financial investment, or did were there any tricky negotiations to get Helen's time released to do this, or was that considered to be a bit of a no-brainer? Took a year to get me released. <laughs> took a year to get me properly released from Maxlax. Mm. Everything happens very slowly yeah. in the hospital. Really slowly. Why, why? Why is that? Is that just to, to, because of backfill, or people weren't convinced it was going to make the impact? No, it was purely back, it was surely backfill and arranging for new okay. members of staff, and they took okay. the opportunity to re- recruit. They turned it into a big. They recruited quite a few staff to re- to replace me. So okay, there's no one who isn't enthusiastic about the, the project. It upsets nobody. No, really, it, okay. it is just common sense, isn't it? And, and basic mm. and essential care. It makes it a lot easier now we've got those results as well. So, you know, it's when you've yeah. got that evidence yeah. behind it. So people are a little bit dubious beforehand. Yeah. Uh, you know, not dubious, but, you know, when you have the, those stark results and you, you, you put it in front of people. Yeah. You know, they, you know, and, and from a clinical, clinical clinician's point of view, it's easy sell. There's, loads, there's no losers for this one, is there? That's the thing. Patients do, do better. Staff feel better about the care they're giving. Hospital saves money. Presumably, antibiotic use is down, and there may be an impact on AMR or other infections like C. diff. So, I can't think of any downside to this at all. I don't know if you two can. Yeah, no. When when you look at our gram-negative bacteremias, um, they've all reduced down as well, and that's that's got to be as a result of um, you know the mouth mouth care matters intervention. You know, we do a lot mm. of different things, but you know, we haven't done huge amounts of stuff. But you know, the Klebsiellus certainly is, is dropped down. From what we've seen in the Coli as well, and you are right. There's an AMS impact on on that, and we saw that in on the wards that Helen was on as well. Yeah, I know Victoria, you and the consultant geriatrician in the northeast of England, who Brett and I spoke to last year. She had a paper published that showed E. coli in the mouth meant more healthcare associated pneumonia, so that that is likely to have an impact on bacteremias as well. I would think. Anyway, well, thanks very much. A lovely practical session, and. You know, Helen, thank you so much for sharing because this is really good fundamental care. And, you you know, you mentioned earlier on no one's getting trained. And I suspect most nurses got trained many years ago and maybe got trained in the technique but not why and explaining to people what an impact this makes on people's health and things like healthcare assessment and pneumonia I always find is, is quite motivating really. And, you know, so I, I think this has been a fantastic uh, you know, intervention and uh, innovation really. And I'd, I'd love to see dental nurses more working more in conjunction with ward staff because, you know, we just don't see that so much here in the UK. If you go to Japan, they have dental practitioners on the wards in elderly care making a big impact. And uh, Helen, have you, anybody else have you heard working in this way in the dental field? Yes, there are, there are pockets of us in various hospitals. We really ought to get together as a group so we can share. Um, and dental nurses mm. are, are very keen to get involved in it. It's just getting finance to get on the wards. Uh, and I, I think the success yeah. of projects like this really does depend on somebody with the skills and the knowledge um, uh, and with the dental world behind you, because it, you really do need to know about what you're looking at and answer the questions that they want and, and support patients Um and it's kind of been lost mouth care of, of what to do. Some of it is really very simple that people just don't know, have that knowledge to be able to help somebody. Yeah. Um, so dental nurses would fit very well to support nurses on the board. I suggest it's not just the knowledge and the expertise. It's also the passion for it because passion is very motivating and a lack of passion and motivation is the op- has the opposite effect, I think. So some of it will be down to the person as well. And I think we can hear that coming through from you today. So uh, I just want to thank Mark and Helen for joining me today to discuss this very important issue. It's a, 
I think, an issue where nurses and healthcare assistants can make a big impact on outcomes for patients. Uh, and I'm hoping plenty of people will be listening to this and thinking maybe we can do something like this in our organisation. So thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much, Helen, for joining me. Thank you very much, Martin. Pleasure. Thank you, Martin, as always. And thanks, everyone, for joining. And we hope you'll join us again for future episodes of Infection Control Matters. Thank you.